The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What's going on, everybody? Eric Franson, AJ Salveson here on a Monday. Hope you're having a good Monday. Hope you had a good weekend. Did you have a good weekend, AJ? Yeah, it was great. It was kind of busy Saturday. Sunday was really busy for me as well. So yeah, um, a lot of not a lot of rest, uh, relaxation, but uh, got it through. How was your day today? I didn't see you a whole lot today. Uh, yeah, I've been around. Um, I uh, got my wife and my two older kids are. Out of town visiting family, so it's me and my little dudes. What'd you guys do? So, uh, yeah, we played some hoop today. Really? You, yeah. Like, define playing hoop, Eric, because I, I saw some photos of you on Facebook. Now that, Eric, could probably look like he could play some hoop. But this, <laughs> Eric, uh, yikes. I just positioned myself in the low post. <laughs> there's no three seconds. The there's no three seconds in the key when you're playing Fisher-Price <laughs> hoop basketball, man. You just You just sit there all day. <laughs> uh, uh, have a good weekend. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Utah State with a big win. Man, I I was just trying to figure out how to explain that. Well, I mean that was that was a nuts series. That was a nuts crazy series. I mean, you you think about it. No Matt Mitchell, and we we warned Utah State men's basketball team on this show. Not that they were listening; they were kind of busy, but we warned them that Matt Mitchell being out was going to make this team more dangerous because they were going to come out throwing haymakers very early and they were going to get after him very quickly. They were going to be physical with him all 40 minutes long. All that came to be true. I mean, they're up 10 and a half. Uh, Craig Smith is uh, has lost every bit of his hair by about, I don't know, four minutes left in the uh, half. And uh, I mean, this was, this was getting very, very sketchy and very ugly quickly. And, uh, I mean, and then in the span of five minutes in the second half, just absolutely turned it around right side up. Uh, and uh, how what do you know? Final score, what was it, 50? Is it 64-59, right? 64-59, yep. Uh, Eric, give me the differences between game one and game two that you saw that stood out, both good and bad. Well, I think that um, I think Utah State did a better job, especially the second half in both games, in uh, – Cleaning up turnovers, um, and I think that that proved to be a really big difference. I think that the Utah State defensive effort for both games was awesome, incredible, incredible, incredible. <laughs> uh, this uh, Friday, or excuse me, Saturday was it, it played out like we said. You know, we when a key guy goes down, you have to worry about that guy you don't plan for. <laughs> That guy you haven't done a lot of film study on. <laughs> and that was Butler. Yep. I was going to say, what do you know? He was going nuts. They couldn't stop him. Who was the was he the quick kid that went coast to coast for a layup on yeah. Bean? Yep. Dude, him with the ball. He attacked. He put faster. some Aggies in some foul trouble. And boy, he cooked. He cooked. And, and, and I love Bean. Bean was just caught off guard. He was just caught flat footed. Uh, on the fast break, Wally, not Wally, <laughs> Raleigh left Bean hanging. Like, Raleigh's got to pick him up quicker than that, or he's got to make a decision quicker than that. He left Bean out to dry, and Bean had to f- try to cover him the remaining six to eight feet going to the hoop, and that's just too tough to do when you're flat-footed. And um, 
But yeah, that kid's got speed. He's got athleticism. He's got skill. If you're Brian Dutcher, you walked out of there thinking, hey, we found a couple other good kids that we can definitely utilize throughout the season. Well, it, it, Gomez, he was oh, a little bit quieter awesome. in the first half, but boy, he, he really came alive more in the Was second. he the guy you texted me about? Or who was the guy you texted me about? Was it Butler? Butler. Yeah. And that's and nobody saw it coming. I, I can tell you that clearly right now. I don't think anybody saw that coming. I think there was some expectation that Gomez probably was going to yes, do a little bit more because he was known as an offensive-minded scorer, and, and he did. He, he came alive and off the bench, and he was he was tough. He was a tough defensive assignment. But, boy, I, I don't know that you can speak enough about the Utah State coaching staff and the adjustments that they've made during this two-game series. I, you know, I was, I was listening uh, Sunday. I had a chance to rewatch some of the broadcast. And I was listening to Clark Kellogg just say how tough it is to play two games in three days versus the exact same opponent. I mean, there is just not a lot. I mean, you can make adjustments. And, and, and the other thing, and you mentioned this last week, Eric, these coaches know each other like the back of their own hand. They know their moves. They know their rotation. They know their, like, their, uh, their thought process. It's almost like they, see each, uh, they see the opposing coach doing it before it's even happened. And they're just trying to play chess from there on out. And it's like, you know, last one standing, last one with the last thought uh, is, is going to get out of there with a win. And I thought the biggest change and the biggest help that we got in regards of adjustments, Eric, was Alfonso playing the five. That came out huge because after Nketa fouled out, I look at the bench and <laughs> I love Dorius. But Dorius was going to get eaten alive and chewed up and spit out. You got to give me Alfonso because Alfonso lives for the physical, beat-you-up, slobber-knocker kind of games. Alfonso loves those. And he can play it at any pace, any rate, any type. And I thought, Coach putting in Alfonso um, just kept things steady, which was so big. Right, it brought in somebody with experience, somebody who hasn't shied away from big moments. Uh, but I think it also helped that Mensa was not really impactful no, he at wasn't. all. Yeah, if Menza had had been more of a factor Saturday like he was on Thursday, maybe it's a different decision. But uh, you're right, Utah State going a little bit small, but not giving up on physicality. I think made a big difference down the stretch when Kata got those two quick fouls. I thought, Ugh, oh boy, that and that fit, too much huh? time left on the clock. Yeah. That's going to be tough. Is it hard, Eric? You go from shooting two free throws, which were technical free throws, in game one. To then all of a sudden having, I mean, like a foul fest really throughout the whole entire game, and two really ticky tacky fouls, if I might say, on Keta. Now three of them were really dumb on Keta. Two of them were, uh, you're going to call that in, in a game like this, like at this point. Well, yeah, but he shouldn't be chasing guys down in the corner and using his hands. Yeah. So yeah, he's got to, he's got to be a little better. And give credit to Dutcher coming out of that timeout after that fourth foul to say, hey. Take the ball, yeah. go back into Kedit, go right at him. Give it to Butler. Every possession. Go run it right him. down his throat. First one, it worked. <laughs> it There's a nice little pump fake, got him in the air, and then uh, and drew the foul. But again, I just thought it was so smart. I mean, you could have went to – and if you went to Dorius, I get it. It's height and situation. But let Alfonso just play that type of game and let him go at him. And I thought Alfonso was phenomenal. Um, Great series for him. Dude, what is his free throw percentage at like the one-minute – and less of a game. I want to know <laughs> what he's shooting. It's got to be ridiculously awesome. I mean, dude, I'm like, I mean, you can hear the crowd mic right on the TV, and it's just like, there's, he's not hitting net. 
It's just swish. And Marco Anthony, on the other hand, has to touch every side of the rim, the backboard, and <laughs> let it roll in at the last second. So, yeah. No, I'd, uh, great free throw shooting, great clutch play down the stretch. Um, another question I have for you, Eric. Ashworth is playing out of his doggone mind right now. I mean, defensively, what he did, chasing, who did he have? Give me number three. Uh, did, uh, Gomez. Chasing Gomez. And those two just went at each other all, all second half long. Is it too late? Or are we too far in maybe thinking about pulling Raleigh and having him come off the bench because he's hit that freshman wall and put Ashworth in? Or do you like just Raleigh starting and Ashworth coming on the bench? I like that there is a really solid punch coming off the bench with Ashworth. Um, give Raleigh some time to work through it. He does a lot of other good things on the court. Just because he's not scoring a lot doesn't mean he's not effective. Um, but I, I like Ashworth being in there as that solid player on the court when uh, when Coach Smith does basically a line change. Yeah. Uh, I mean, two games back-to-back, Marco stayed on the court. Everybody else came swapped Comes out. Um, and, and Ashworth was a was a key contributor there. And you, when you have that second unit in, you need somebody that you can rely on, that you know is going to be steady and is not going to hurt you. But did you see Hashworth getting like, I mean, he's playing. You couldn't take him out with six minutes left in the game. You, I think with about seven minutes left, um, I thought to myself, he's not coming out the rest of the game. He's playing the, the entire seven minutes now. He's just playing too good. You can't take him out. But I didn't see him playing... I guess, oh, not over the minutes, but just playing the more later minutes than Raleigh would. I didn't see that coming at this point. Kind of impressed me. Well, no, really yeah, well, impressed well, me. I, I like that it's a, it's a, that's a smart coach. It doesn't always matter who starts the game. It kind of matters who finishes the game, and that's based on who's playing well. Yeah. And th- that's coaching adjustments, right? If you got a guy that has a hot hand, boy, keep him in the game. Just because you're a starter doesn't mean you have to be a finisher. No, no, not at all. And another guy I need to give a shout-out to is Brock Miller. I yes. did two, two big, cold-blooded threes in the second half when we desperately needed them. When we were going on a 4-0 run, they go on a 5-0 run, we go on a 4 I mean, it was just back and forth. Um, and he played Brock effective Miller, defense again oh, on Shackle. Look, I mean, look, we've been talking about his defense so much, and, and, and rightfully so. I mean, Shackle's trying to create room, and every shot that Shackle hit was tough. I mean, there is a hand, whether it's Brock, Bean, or Ashworth, there is a hand in his grill every time. Brock did was phenomenal defensively, but his offensive just clutch shooting to spread the court was so big. He had two, I think, two late threes to uh, to either give them a lead or uh, extend their lead by three or four. He was just, I mean, it's incredible. Like, once he can actually get his shooting touch back, which he has, Boy, this it makes this team extremely, extremely dangerous. Yeah, he's playing with more confidence. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Heavens, yeah. And that we've seen when he's when he's on early, he's on for the game. Yeah. And he's been able to do that in both of these games against San Diego State. He was able to get a bucket early in the game, and he was solid for the rest of the game. He proved to be very effective and and helped Utah State. Um. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, just. <laughs> so many good things yeah. with Utah State yeah. and how well they played against a conference rival and a really good team uh, and to see how they came through it we 
they put the doubters to bed. I mean, everybody the, for those people who said, "Yeah, you look great against really bad teams." How are you going to look against a, a solid San Diego State team? Well, they proved they look good. They can still do it. And for San Diego State, uh, this hurts them. I mean, those those are now there's three games back. They're behind the eight ball tremendously, and they still got to play Boise State. Um, they got out of Colorado State, so they're done with them. But uh, they're uh, they still got a a lot of long road ahead of those uh, of those guys. And the other thing, the to, the Tomayic technical was major. You just can't do that. Well, they called it on the bench. They didn't necessarily give it to him specifically. Oh, okay, so no, no, no. So they told us they called it on to Mike. Did they change it to call it on the bench? So uh, that's why he didn't foul out then. Because he, cause he, I think he had three or four fouls. Three fouls, I think. And then they must have, after I got the box score sheet or the play sheet here, I didn't know that. Because then that changes it tremendously. I thought they called on... We were told they called on to Mike. And we're like, all right, well, that gives him, I think, four fouls. And, uh, we, yeah, I didn't know they changed it to the bench. Well, in the CBS broadcast, they said that um, they originally thought it was on to Mike. And then later they said, oh, they've just they've changed that. It's just going on of course they to did. the bench. Of course they Assigned did. to the bench. <laughs> hey, not a lot of time to uh, celebrate. We got about, what, 24 hours to celebrate this one. Now you and I turn around. And we and the Aggies as well turn around and focus their attention on a on a Colorado State team. I texted somebody and I said, "Hey, uh, I, you know, I said that was a heck of a win." And they said, "Nah, we gotta get ready for Colorado State." And I said, "Can I legitimately ask you a question? Do you think Colorado State is better than San Diego State?" And all they put is, "Absolutely." That scares me. And they said, and then he said, "It's one of the best offenses in the country." Right now, what they're doing. And their best player, he was there for game one against San Diego State in that 27-point comeback to beat him. The second game, he was gone because of the birth of his baby girl um, that was being born, so he left for that. Uh, but that this offense is extremely loaded. They love to shoot the three. Um, very quick pace. You won't see the... I don't think you'll see the physical rug pace I saw with the Aztecs. Um, but, man, that that's what plays to the Aggie style. This one could be a lot more difficult. Colorado State has one loss on the year, and that excuse me, two losses, um, one loss in conference play. Uh, their only other loss on the year was uh, a loss to uh, St. Mary's. Uh, they lost by twenty in that one, fifty-three to thirty-three. But uh, you're right. Other than that, this is a high-scoring team with uh, a lot of scores in the upper eighties and nineties. Um, they have had a few that uh, were a little bit. Uh, lower in this in the seventies, but this is a team that likes to get out uh, and and push the ball and, and score a lot of points. Utah State has shown that they can do that too. Um, so this this is going to come down to who plays the better defense, who's able to limit their opponent defensively more than just who's going to outscore the opponent. Opponent field goal percentage given up by the Rams is forty percent. For the Aggies, is thirty seven percent. Given up. Three or excuse me, opponent three point field goal percentage is twenty nine for the Rams, thirty two for the Aggies. Uh, they are uh, they're forcing thirteen and a half turnovers per game. Aggies are forcing about fifteen and a half. Uh, then they uh, they average with just over five and a half blocks per game. Utah State, of course, with Keta, they're just under they're under seven and a half blocks per game. No steals per game. Sorry, under five blocks per game. Just under seven and a half turnovers per game 
for the Aggies. Five and a half steals per game for the Rams. Two and a half blocks per game for the uh, for the Rams as well. Yeah, this is going to be a defensive fest. But again, they have a great offense. They they just under seventy six points per game. Uh, they shoot about forty seven percent from the field. They shoot thirty nine percent from three. They can really really shoot it well, Eric. If if you give them the opportunity, Dave Roddy's been incredible. He's he's got fifteen points per game right now. He's also leading the team in rebounds, just under ten. Uh, this team can really really get after you on the boards. And then again, it's just transition defense. Got to get back. You got to get set because if they can, I mean, if they can run the court on a jailbreak and find a three on one, two on one count, then uh, they're going to be lifting up threes everywhere. And if they get on a roll in rhythm in three, you're in deep trouble. Yeah, a lot of similarities between these two teams, uh, and we'll we'll go in more specifics tomorrow. But um, the, the 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 scoring points per game is very similar. Yeah. Uh, assists per game, uh, it's, uh, the uh, field goal percentage. Uh, there's a lot of things that these teams uh, do pr- pr- pretty close to each other. What, similarly, what they do. Um, the, the, one of the bigger differences is that Colorado State um, is, uh, is has done a really nice job against some tough, tougher teams. Utah State got past San Diego State, uh, but they've they've got to do it again. They've got to come in a sh- very short turnaround. Come around and uh, take on a, a good Colorado State team that's coming into this game with a little bit of momentum on their side. Sorry, I was just reading Al Lewis' tweet. Uh, Aggie football coach Chuck Mills has passed away. He uh, passed away in Hawaii this morning. Oh, that's too bad. Shoot. Sorry. Uh, coming off guard there. Uh, and Chuck Mills was a coach in the late 60s? Yes, yes. He was uh, 67 to 72. With uh, with Utah State, so ah, that's too bad. Um, you know, and we talked about the defense a little bit more. Uh, you know, and and how key it's going to be was how key it was already against the Aztecs, but how key it's going to be uh, versus um, Colorado State. A, a couple numbers to look at really quickly. By the way, that was the first sweep of San Diego State from any team in the Mountain West Conference since 2017 uh, from Fresno State. Um, that was the lowest amount of points that they have scored, uh, did it, or second and fewest amount of points they have scored next to the 45 they scored in game one, uh, of the season in the last two years. Uh, this team is just like what the Aggies did to the Aztecs defensively was one of the most impressive things I had seen in so long. But again, it's a different style with Colorado State, and they're going to have to make major adjustments. And you never know what the if I can be so respectful to the officiate officials, you never know what you're going to get in regards of calls and how that game's going to be the rhythm and flow of it. Right, it's San Diego State more of a grind it team. Oh my goodness, everybody where referred they ever... to it as a rock fight yeah. uh, between the, those two squads. Uh, Colorado State is a little more up tempo. Um, they'll run it up and down every time they have so a chance. Very, they'll go very different style. We'll, we'll, as we said, we'll get into more of that tomorrow. But uh, we'll hear some comments from Coach Smith about that San Diego State game coming up. Uh, love to get your reactions uh, as well. That uh, as it's been able to sink in a little bit, and you've had a chance to relish in the victory and the sweep over the Aztecs four three five three three nine zero three two one. We'll also get into the Utah Jazz. They had a nice. Uh, run last week. Yeah. Looking very good. Nice win on the road at Denver last night. Uh, the RPI rankings are out for high school basketball. We'll update you on those. And the NCAA net rankings are also out. 
Uh, how's you, how far has Utah State moved up? And what's changed in the last few days? So we'll update you on all that coming up here on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM on The Fan. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. You doing all right over there? Yeah, I'd love to hear from you as well. 435-339-0321. Hey, a couple of numbers I was just looking at some more. Check this out. Game two. Aggies had its worst, or excuse me, third worst shooting game this season. They shot 19 of 51, 37% from the field. While the Aztecs shot 41% from the field. It's the first game this season Aggies have won. When shooting worse than the opponent, improving a one and three on the season, seven of fourteen under Smith. That's how good their defense was. You shot thirty-seven percent from the field, and you still beat them by five. That's incredible. Well, a big part of that was uh, free throws. Huge part In this of this one. Nineteen made free throws compared to their seven. What was their free throw? I didn't even look at their free throws. At. San Diego State was seven of fifteen. Utah State nineteen of twenty-five. Really? And I didn't see like the game Saturday as being more aggressive than the one Thursday. It's just how the game got called. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah, and so again, I that's what I worry about the most is that these players have to adjust to a different officiating crew. And I mean every game's a different I mean, but just you go from like what you said, a rock fight. I love that. To a ballet dance. I mean, where Colorado State's not going to just, you know, get in there and get all physical and, you know, dirty with you. They're just going to gonna try and stay clean, run on the break when they have a chance. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if – and you just don't know how it's going to be called that, you know, in, in that game. And you got to do some scouting on the refs. I don't know if that's allowed. You just do some scouting on the officiating and find a way to find out how it's going to be refed and go from there. Yeah, but I don't know that Utah State – Changes its game plan based on who the refs are. Going refs to be. are going to be good point. Good They're going point. to have the same Gata attitude. Yeah, they're going to get after it. They're going to be aggressive. They're going to attack the rim, force their opponents to make tough decisions, and uh, a big part of their success is getting to the free throw line, all right, which Eric. was a weird anomaly on Thursday that they only had two shots. Are you ready to talk about it, Craig Smith? Is currently undefeated in Mount West Conference play. They have just swept San Diego State for the first time in a regular season se- season series ever. And he's now 5-3 and three against the Aztecs. How do we move on without him next year? Oh, stop. <laughs> Are you ready to do this? Are you ready to handle this? You know my opinion on this. Don't make me get on my soapbox. I'm just saying... Brace for it, man. I mean, look, if if Keta keeps doing what he's doing, of course he's going to head out. He should. Uh, man, if there's a year to go after this and you can make something happen and make some noise, which he has, boy, no COVID year. I mean, a lot of offers coming your way. I mean. Do you want me to get on my soapbox? <laughs> 
You keep egging me on. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, I love what we're doing, but it's... Yes, and can we not just enjoy what's happening right now without fretting and wringing our hands? Plan for the future, Eric. And we must plan yes. now. Okay, so what does that mean? You're going to go find someone and hire them right now? No, but we probably ought to start thinking of new... I mean, unless we have given Craig Smith a much well-deserved extension... To account, you know, to compensate him and his assistants properly. Oh boy, I just—I was thrilled until I woke up yesterday morning. And I thought, oh my gosh, oh, that's such. Come on, Aggies, don't stop. Just stop. <laughs> I get so tired of that. I, don't I'm don't just- get me started, AJ. <laughs> It'll be hard to get me to stop. Let's just enjoy what's happening right now and celebrate the victories over San Diego State, mm-hmm. the great play of Namiya Keta in the post, mm-hmm. and prepare for Colorado State. Mm. Okay. If they sweep Colorado State, then you know he's definitely going to be getting some... Nimi's going to leave. Yes. This year or next, he'll be gone. Yeah. Craig Smith is going to leave at some point. Mm-hmm. So let's enjoy him while he's here. If we end up like with John Calipari, I'm going to quit. I'm going to move to India. Uh, 9474 texts in. Okay. Ajay, are you going to feel jaded if your ex-quarterback wins a Super Bowl <laughs> right after leaving your team? <laughs> oh, 9474. Now you're breaking my heart. Don't go breaking my heart. So here's the thing. I felt bad for Breeze because he sucked. He played like crap yesterday. Started out okay. He had the Peyton Manning noodle arm, like at the end of his career. Yeah. And and Brady, Brady played okay. He didn't play great, but he played okay. Played good enough to help the team win. Am I going to feel jaded if my ex-quarterback? Oh, shoot. Um, no. I'm going to be thrilled. I'm going to be excited. I mean, Eric, 14 conference championship game appearances for Tom Brady. A chance to appear in his 10th Super Bowl. I'm impressed. I'm amazed. That's unreal. And he spent six of those Super Bowls and 13 of those conference championships with my New England Patriots. Now, what I am going to do is I'm going to wear my Buccaneers jersey next week. I'm going to wear it for the Super Bowl the week after when they play the the Bills. But, uh, yeah. I love, I love Tom Brady, and I thought it was pretty cool seeing that little. I mean, there's some videos of him chatting with Breeze after. You know, the thing about Brady is, 14, 15 years ago, he'd go out and have a beer with the guys after a game with the teammates, and he'd get himself, you know, celebrate by getting himself dr- drunk or near drunk. And now it's, I'm going to go home and hang out with my wife and kids. I just want to go home and be with them. That's all I want. Did you see the video of he and him and Breeze just chatting it up after chatting up afterwards and threw the ball around? So cool! It just kind of makes it it puts everything into perspective. Like, holy crap, these guys just duked it out for a right in the NFC Championship game to go to Lambeau Field, and now they're just hanging out, talking, and they're not even. They're probably, I don't even know if they're talking football. Maybe they are, but I mean, yeah, the, the kids are right there, and you're just you're just chatting it up. I thought that was cool. I thought that was awesome. Uh, Drew Brees, Hall of Famer, yes or no? First yeah, ballot. Oh yes. He's got a Super Bowl. He's got a ton of wins. Um, yeah, he's been a he's been a model citizen in the NFL. Great representative. 
off the field for a lot of important causes, yes. Yeah, me too. One of the best to ever do it. I mean, and think about that. This guy was cut by the Chargers. Like the Chargers are like, nah, we're good. We'll take Phillip Rivers. Give me a break. That's incredible. Uh, 9315 texts in, Ajay, we still have Craig next year. We do. Why are you so set on making up stuff that is not happening? I'm not making up. Oh, goodness, Eric. High thinking that they will keep him by extending him. Ajay, Ajay, Ajay. Okay, okay, time out. I didn't know we have Craig next year. That's great. If that is, that, hey, that's wonderful. I had no idea. I had no clue. I want Craig Smith to be our coach here for the next 8, 9, 10, 12, 13, 20, 40 years. Um, so that's a long time. Yes, it is. Uh, I, but I, I'm not making up stuff. I'm just saying because it's a realistic thought to say, man, uh, Minnesota is going to come calling or whoever is going to come calling with a lot of money. But I know, you know, he said it several times. He loves Cash Valley. He loves Utah State. He loves where this program is at. Um, which is amazing, and I hope we keep him. I hope we freaking keep that guy. I don't want to lose him. I I I adore that guy and what he's done for the Saggy squad. I hope I'm with you. Hope they keep him. Me too. You know, we never did follow up with Mister uh, Mister Hartwell. If uh, I think last year or you no, know, this past March, I asked him. You know, are we uh, are we uh, worked on an extension with Craig Smith? And he said, "I'll do it. You know, I'll do whatever I can in my power to keep him." Got to get him back on to see uh, where we stand in that regard. Or someone's just got to ask Craig. I'll let you do that. <laughs> yeah, okay. 435 <laughs> uh, Big win by the Aggies over San Diego State. Um, in the, currently, the, the standings uh, in the Mountain West, Boise State is still on top. They've only lost one game, and that was the opener. They've won every other game since. They're eight and zero, twelve and one overall. Utah State is eight and zero in conference play, eleven and three. Colorado State is seven and one, ten and two overall. <laughs> uh, watch out for Nevada. This is a team that's. Do you think it's legitimate? Five and three, ten and five overall. Are they legitimate though? That's my question. How good are they really? They lost to Air Force. Who we smacked around by 30. <laughs> uh, Nevada is moving up in the net rankings. They're up to 124 right now. So they're, they're not I, a team to be overlooked. I, I'll just put it that way. I mean, they're, they're, they're an okay team, but they lost. They let Air Force beat them in Reno. It's one of their losses. Trouble. I don't know. I'm not too worried about them. I'm scared about UNLV though. UNLV scares the crap out of me. Why? Like what because they are they're the most talented team on paper in the Mount West Conference. They just can't put it together because they got too many one-on-one guys. Like once they put it together and they play as a team, they're going to be up there. Uh UNLV coming in at 152 in the net ranking. Yeah, they're struggling. Uh 9315 adds AJ didn't you say that a split with the SDSU was a real possibility? Sure. And they proved it wrong, so pre- or overthinking thinks can get you in trouble. Thinking or, Oh, overthinking things? Got oh. you. I got you. So, yeah, I do. I mean, we, but look, a, a real possibility was a split. 
and we were going to be okay with that. You were hoping for a split. No, no. That, okay, hold on. Time out. Because my and I was options, like, why can't they no, win both? In my head, my options were a split, right, or a sweep from San Diego State. We hadn't swept San Diego State ever. So why would, like, why all of a sudden would you start, like, being like, oh, yeah, we're going to sweep San Diego State this year? What would make you all of a sudden to be like, hey, yeah, I what's going to happen? Oh, Utah give, State. no, stop it. You be quiet. Stop it right now. <laughs> You doubted. No, stop it right now. Don't you dare. <laughs> no, no, listen. Okay, and so a split would have been great. I would have been thrilled with a split. Now, Eric, you can't split with Colorado State. And no, I do expect right. them to sweep Colorado State, by the way. The the only other... I mean, there's only one more series they can split, one, and it's got to right. be Boise State. It's only, there's only one series. There's only one team that they... I don't want to say it. That they can afford to lose to. That's not really the right way to say it, but they cannot afford to lose to anybody else. Yeah, yeah. You cannot lose to Colorado State. And then if you sweep Colorado State, you lose to Wyoming, Fresno State, UNLV, or Nevada. That's a huge hiccup right now. And if you can get to there, get through all that with Boise State at the end, or I guess near the end, because you got Nevada to end it, um, and you s- either split or sweep Boise State. You go into that tournament with an at-large bid in hand. Piranhas tweets at us. I love Piranhas. Ajay, why does Ajay always have to be a Debbie Downer? Oh, come on, people. I'm not being a Debbie. By the way, Debbie cakes are the best, so I actually take that as a compliment. Little Debbie Downer Piranhas, cakes? Piranhas, good to hear from you. My gosh, it's little, been forever. Little Debbie uh, Downer I'm not cakes? being a Debbie Downer. I'm being a realist. You guys think the Jazz are going to win the finals. That's not gonna happen. I didn't say that. I'm just oh, that. you you're you're thinking it every time. Never like, said I that. can't say that on air. Oh. But you guys think they're gonna be a top three seed in the Western Conference. Don't Realism look now, but number two in the Western always Conference. wins out, Eric. Realism always wins out. Again, I want Craig Smith here next year. I would I got forty five bucks in my piggy bank. I will give USU forty five bucks. To put into the contract, if that's what will convince him. <laughs> if that's what the remaining what if we need. What if it's 46? I'm going to ask for a dollar from you. I'm going to ask for a loan. Go check out the I cushions need, <laughs> in your couch. I need IOUs. Turn over every IOUs. <laughs> Turn oh, out every man. pocket in your uh, laundry. I'm not being a Debbie Downer. I want Craig here for the rest of all time and eternity. Well, he still has work to do. So uh, that's why I'm like, look. I'm work to inter- do? Yeah. The se- it's only midway through the season. He's got, a, he's got a big opponent coming up here tomorrow. Yeah, true. True. But here's the if thing. If he falls flat on his face, which he won't. He won't. But if he falls flat on his face and they lose a bunch of games here, he's not going anywhere. That won't happen. He's a good coach. He's got a good team. It's They're going to win a bunch, of, a bunch of games. Uh. Nine eight three five. I could easily see Coach Smith in another location next year. AJ is right. Thank you. Realism always wins out, everybody. But you know what? I don't. These discussions are fine. But why are we having them now? Because I. Let's wait till the season's so over. So you can prepare for the end. Why? <laughs> so it doesn't kick you in the face when are we you, get there. Are you going to cheer less like, excitedly it's now? Like, it's like leaving. Oh, they're going to win, but I don't want to get too excited because they're going to win. And then walking out into a blizzard storm of negative five degrees. I'd rather have you put on the scarf 
and hat and gloves and big coat and sit inside the house for 10 minutes and then walk out when you're ready. The self-defeatism by Aggie fans is so annoying. I just... There's no self-defeat. What are you talking about? We've had... Anytime anybody starts to have a little bit of success, right away, oh my gosh, it's going to suck so bad when they leave. Oh. Here, okay. Okay, of, yes, they're going to no, probably go. You, because you understand that's always Utah been State's. the case here at Utah State. Yes. That's always been the case. Yes. And it sucks. That's my point. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen. Okay. So let's enjoy so it while it lasts. Oh my gosh. Celebrate right. the success and enjoy it while it lasts. Hope that it lasts longer than it you, might, but... Everybody starts wringing their hands and they don't enjoy what's happening everybody while it's happening. It. You can still enjoy it and have that thought and have How? that conversation. You're all, everybody's stressing no, out, pulling their hair. Conversation. Oh, he's going to leave us. Yeah, you oh. can still say, oh man, it's going to be a bummer when he leaves us, but we love Coach Smith and we love everything he's done for the university. We're going to build a statue of him when it's all said and done. We might call it the Craig Smith Spectrum or whatever. I don't know. Never build a statue, Stu Morrill. Yeah, that's true. Wait, hey, but who? Oh, well, mm, who deserves it more, Morrill or Smith? All right, now Stu Morrill. What? If not for Stu Morrill, Craig Smith would never be here. What would Craig Smith have to do with Stu Morrill? Stu Morrill built a successful program, a national program, a nationally recognized program. They just came off a really two down years of with Tim Durie. But he, but because of Stu Morrill's success, it was still an attractive place to come. I think Craig Smith would have came with or without Stumerl being here. I mean, it was it's it, it it's not like it's not like Mr. Hartwell went to Craig Smith and said, "Hey, look, Stumerl was here. All right, he was here, and we had this many NCAA tournament appearances with one win." It was, "Hey, look, we want." I mean, Smith is like, "I can make, I can help these guys win. I can build this place back to its tradition." Smith will say, "Look, I know that place has a lot of tradition of success in conference play." Trips to the NCAA tournament. Conference play. We had stuck in the Mountain West. Great. So you're going to just whole-handedly dismiss everything in the WAC and whole-handedly dismiss everything when in the West? When you're hiring a new coach? You're just, like, ignoring anything that Stu Morrill ever no, did? No, I'm not, or- I'm not ignoring anything. No, Stu Morrill How is, does you t- is... No, Stu, what Stu Morrill did is So all the successes so of Stu Morrill... Or just they never happened. No, they they're happened. to be ignored. I'm just telling you, and based when only you on what's in front of you coach, in the last year. When I tell you to go interview a coach, I'm not going to be like, "Hey, by the way, you want this job because Stu Morrow was here." No, you don't say because Stu Morrow was here, <laughs> but you say, "Look, because of the tradition and the success." Oh, who's that attached to? It's attached to Stu Morrow. Or you can just say because it fits you, like this university, this valley, this place, what you want fits you. It's because it, there was a culture there and an expectation by a fan base that was there. Yeah, yeah the ex- that's true. The expectation was definitely there. Absolutely. But I think even if there was no expectation, Craig Smith still would have said, you know what? I, I, I think Craig Smith came for... If there were job openings at the same time, San Jose State and Utah State. Yeah. All things being equal, they're the same opening. Where are you, you going to go? Facilities are better at Utah State. Money is, is, is probably is much, much better financially at Utah State. Who's got the track record? Who's got the fan base? Who's had the success? Who has the history? You're going to go to that place. Okay, yeah, the fan and base that's is attached, another good one. That's a that's great attached one. attached to Utah State. That's a really There's good a one. That, that, that fan base comment's a really good one. I like that one. Absolutely. 
And and look, Stu Morrow will be properly honored as he should. Will be. he? I think. How he much will. time has passed and we still haven't done anything about it? I think. Other he than will. hey, thanks, Stu. J.C. Carroll hasn't been honored, and but I think he will. I think J.C. will have his jersey in the rafters one day. Um. Yeah. I, absolutely. I think he'll be honored. I don't think Mr. Hartwell or that university is going to go without a day, uh, you know, or go an incredibly like twenty years and say, you know what. It's not going to happen. We, we just can't honor the coach who built the spectrum, as, as everybody likes to say. I think that they'll, they'll, they'll give him his due credit sometime down the line, hopefully. While he's still alive? Yeah. Absolutely. Man, I sure hope so. I think so. Should it be Stu Moral Court? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think anybody else to the university would probably... Oh well, I'm, never mind. I'm not going to say that. Um, I, I think it's a travesty it that be. that didn't happen while Stu Morrow was the, was the coach. What if Stu Morrow didn't want it? As he's on his way out, say, guess what? Here's a little surprise. What if he didn't want it? What if he said, "I don't want the attention and stuff on me while I'm still coaching or while I'm still here"? As he's retiring, let's wait. Well, maybe he wants to wait a few you years think Tim after Duryea retirement. would have been all for that while he was the head coach? Ah, oh, I think he absolutely would have. Let's recognize Coach Morrell. Yeah, absolutely. This should be his court. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. Now, that I could agree with. Yeah, absolutely. Great point. Great point. And another year goes by and people are forgetting about Stu Morrell. Nobody's forgetting about Stu Morrell. It's a travesty. Oh, my goodness. You, You're trying to forget no, about him. You are being a Debbie Cake Downer. <laughs> 2409. We all know that if the Aggies keep winning, Coach Smith is going to be bigger, better program. But we can still enjoy him while he's here and enjoy winning seasons. Amen. Thank I'm you, still 2409. enjoying it. I'm still enjoying it. No, you're not. It. You're fretting over there. No. Your stomach's I'm, turning inside out. I and still think about it. It's very possible. Try it. You don't think I thought about Tom Brady leaving after all these years? <laughs> what? Uh, nine three one five with Ajay's thinking. How do places like Gonzaga keep their coaches? Okay, let's let's tone it's it down. It's a fair question. That that is an anomaly. I think we have to say what that is. That is an anomaly. Mark Few being there for yes. as long as he has, yes. but that's the number one program in the country. That is, the, he has found a way to recruit and then go. I mean, they're playing Kansas. I mean, they're playing Baylor's. They're playing the Dukes. And that's a guy Carolina's. who's. You, you can't tell me that guy has not had offers at the highest level to go somewhere else. Absolutely. No, he's he has. decided to stay at Gonzaga. Oh, without a doubt. And he wanted to stay and make that place special. And Greg Popovich was having a serious conversation with him about coaching, helping coach Team USA next year or this upcoming Olympics. But it's a different, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the mindset is. And yeah. Uh, is it possible? Yeah. He's proving that it is possible. Is it an anomaly? Yes. 99 out of 100 guys who have that opportunity are going to eventually leave. I would agree. Uh, 9315 also adds, I never think self-defeat because you could find a Stu-type coach. No one ever talk about Stu leaving. And he got offers. I think we all know that. And he did interview. Did he really? At a few places. I, I think that. it was mostly a... Courteous call? Negotiation tactic to improve his oh, okay. situation in Logan. Great coach. Very successful coach. Was he superstitious? Do you know? Stu Morrill? Because like Craig's really superstitious. He's out of his mind superstitious. Uh, I think most 
most coaches have some level of the superstition. Only, I need to ask Al about this. The only thing I knew about Craig Smith is that he would refuse to let the Nets be changed while they're on a winning streak. Like, after every game now, they change the Nets. When Stu was there, like, if they were on a 10-game winning streak, you touch those Nets, you're losing your job. So, I knew that was one of them, but I didn't, I didn't know how heavy his was. Not Probably not as much as near as much as Craig's is. Rick Majerus was nuts. Oh, his, yeah, dude. Rick, yeah. Never changed his sweater. That was a different animal. <laughs> it was really gross by the end of the season. <laughs> All right, got to take a time out here in the full court press. Uh, I want to get into the net rankings. Just They were mm. updated today. Yep. There was some interesting movement from the weekend. We'll update you on those standings. RPI rankings for high school basketball have been released. Utah Jazz on a nice winning streak. A lot of things still to cover here on the Full Court Press. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric France and Ajay Salveson here on The Fan. Full Court Press rolling along. We've had some great texts coming in on the show today. Yep, it's been awesome. Keep sending them in, 435-339-0321, or message us directly from the 106.9 The Fan mobile app. Hey, I'd like to know from our wonderful fan base, who is your player MVP of the team so far? Is it Ashworth? Is it Keta? Is it um, is it Alfonso? Is he making a late push for this? I know, we're, I know we still have a ton of conference play left, but so far, who is your MVP of the team so far? Um, I think there's only one option, and it's not even close. Number two is so far away from the number one option. Who the number one guy is, who number two is, not even close to him. It's got to be close. If it if if it's who I'm thinking that you're thinking, it's got to be close. But I mean, are you especially thinking what I'm thinking that you're thinking? Yes, I'm thinking the same thinking? thing that we're thinking that you're thinking. It's a runaway. Who the number one guy is? Ashworth. I'm being dead serious, too. You're being dead serious? Yeah. I, dude, Ashworth has... You think Ashworth in a runaway is the MVP of the Utah State basketball team? No, I think it's close. I think it's Ashworth, and I think Keta is just on his heels. <laughs> Ashworth has done so much in regards of he's guard play. He's done a play, nice job. Off the bench, Eric. He's, he's a, you just said it. Off the, oh, because he's coming off the bench, he can't be the MVP? No. Who has a longer and bigger impact in the game? Ashworth's Ashworth in there for is still, 12 minutes? 12 minutes? Keta's in there for 32? Okay, so Keta played 29 minutes and Ashford played 23. So we're six-minute differential. And how many times is it the other way around? I, Keta, Keta is the number one MVP of this team by leaps and bounds. By, okay, if you want to say it's Keta's not the MVP, that's fine. But how you he got, impacts but the game offensively and defensively. Give, I mean, to say leaps and bounds over Ashworth is just unreal. Every single game. How he impacts the game oh offensively gosh. and defensively. So in game one of I'm this not, series. Not to take away from the other Ashworth guys that they're bad. He's just so much game, better. Game two, he had career high 17 points. And guess what? He also shot... Ashworth shot 8 of 8 from the line and 3 of 6 from deep. Keta was 2 of 6 at the line and didn't hit a 3. <laughs> oh, well, there it is. <laughs> hey, uh, 9474 texts in, what's the chance that Coach Smith is wired like Mark Few and Gonzaga? Ooh, he got plenty I like of offers this. to leave and said, no, I can win a national championship here in basketball. That is possible even for a Mountain West. I love that. Great text message. 
Uh, frankly, I don't know. Me neither. Only that I kind of doubt it just because um, Coach Smith has kind of climbed a ladder to get to where he is now. Mm-hmm. Sure. So to say that we should expect that to be done, I, I think would be a bit of a stretch. Um, and it's not to take away from him. I think he's made some good moves, but he has made steps along the way and found other places to be to uh, find a better opportunity. Uh, And I wouldn't be surprised if he has another opportunity to take the next step on the ladder. Welcome to the club, Eric. AJ, we're running out of time. Let's go to our pick six. You've got a free membership of the club. All right, six things we thought could happen this past weekend. All right? Please say one. How come you never tell me the results before? Number one. Josh Allen passing yards versus the Ravens. We set the line at 275 and a half. He ended up with 206. Uh, I took the over, you took the under. So you got one. Okay, don't celebrate too early. Number two, <clears throat> Namiash Keta blocks on Thursday. Set the line at two and a half. He ended up with one block on Thursday. Took the under. You took the under on that, I took the over. You threw this when I forgot up, about this. You're up two to nothing. Moldy corn dog. Boyan Bogdanovich three pointers versus Atlanta. The line was set at three and a half. He made three. I took the under. You took the over. Sounds two to one. Gonzaga over Pepperdine. You set the line very aggressively at 32 and a half. <laughs> they won by 25. Freaking bench. I took the under. You took the over. So now it's 2-2, AJ. These freshmen need to be running ladders. Uh, Drew Brees and Tom Brady combined passing attempts. Oh, yeah. This one's south. Uh, you said it at 82 and a half. Oddly enough, or I don't know oddly, but interestingly enough, one uh, Brees had 34 passing attempts and Brady had 33 passing attempts. So mm-hmm. 67 between the two of them. Um, I went over. You went under. <laughs> so now you're up 3-2. to two. Comes down to this. Is it going to be a tie? And do we go to the tiebreaker? Uh, Justin Bean rebounds on Saturday. The line was set at seven and a half. Oh, yeah. He had six. We both took the over. See, Rowan needs to so, get the heck out of the way and let Bean get the rebounds. You, you won. Ashworth move. Tiebreaker didn't matter, but it was about the Bills and Ravens. Turns out you had that one correct. All right, Shoeless Joe Jackson, you've been banned from pick six. Why? You threw that. You yeah. threw that one. You know I you almost did. look. No, I almost got yeah, it. Yeah, you still threw it too. You're trying to throw it. I'm not dumb. <laughs> I was trying to win. <laughs> yeah, you're sitting there laughing. Only one by picks. Only lost you're by like, one. You're like over. Call. <laughs> Don't you dare. Nine four seven four. Before we go, says. Yeah. But is he climbing the ladder for higher pay and to be able to compete? Just pay the man like he deserves, and you're half the way there. That's true. That's very true. But what we can pay is, man, it's hard to. It's limiting, especially in COVID year when you can't have a lot of fans. And donate to Utah State, everybody, please. <laughs> that makes a big difference. Yes, I got forty-five bucks in my account. <laughs> All right, coming up next hour, RPI rankings are out for high school basketball. The NCAA net rankings have been updated. What about the power rankings in the NBA? Where do the Jazz sit? We'll talk about there it next. Stick around.
The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What's going on, everybody? Eric Franson here with you on the Full Court Press. Second hour underway. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you're having a, a, a good Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. A lot of interesting things happening to uh, recognize and honor the late civil rights leader. Um, NBA certainly plays a big role in that with some earlier games in the day and uh, lots of good tributes that are happening as well. So a great uh, a great person who stood for a lot of really important things. Hope people take the time to remember him, what he stood for, and what he advocated for to help uh, move our country in a better direction. Uh, certainly some of those things uh, still Need to be worked on even today, but um, nonetheless, it's a good day to kind of step back for a second and reflect on that and um, try to try to be better. Try everybody to uh, try to be better. So let's uh, see how the day continues to roll on, and hopefully, we can take some of these messages to heal our country right now. It's definitely divided, but uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about what happened over the weekend in sports. Certainly, some things happening today as well. We'll get to. Uh, had some great feedback in the last hour. Love to get the comments continuing to flow in. Feel, feel free to text the uh, the Full Court Press here at 435-339-0321 or message us directly through the 106.9 The Fan mobile app. And uh, more from uh, Utah State, San Diego State, the, the Aggie sweep over the Aztecs. We'll hear more from Coach Smith this hour. We'll see the updated net rankings in the Mountain West. Uh, and what some are saying about the Mountain West now after a really good start for the top level of the Mountain West. And are the Aggies starting to get some recognition for what they've been able to do after winning 10 straight and they're 8-0 and in conference play? Um, perhaps there's some good things to look at and say, yes, those are good recognition, but there's a few other things out there that just make me scratch my head and I just do not understand. So we'll get to that. We'll also talk about the Utah Jazz. They're on a bit of a hot streak right now as well, and they're climbing uh, the standings in the Western Conference and the power rankings by a couple different publications out there and how they've started uh, their season, this young NBA season. And speaking of rankings, we'll get to the RPI rankings for high school basketball that was updated today and uh, see how these Region 11 teams are faring after an interesting weekend at the start of Region 11. Um, I'd be surprised. There were all, three games in region play for the boys were all blowouts. Uh, I was very surprised by that. I thought that uh, at least two of those games would be more competitive. So we'll get into that coming up a little bit later on here on the show as well. But I want to continue on to talk about Utah State and San Diego State. A nice win over the Aztecs. Um, and uh, the, one of the key things uh, I thought that really stood out for Utah State on Saturday in particular was how well the team came together after Namish Keta got that uh, second foul, which was, well, it was his fifth foul, but those two fouls just back-to-back within 10 or 11 seconds of each other, and he has to uh, sit on the bench for the last couple of minutes and how that team rallied together and uh, came through in spite of all of that, securing the victory in a close one against San Diego State. And uh, here's Smith talking about uh, kind of his team's resiliency and coming together and, and playing a little bit different style without a traditional center in the game after Nimi got fouled out. 
Well, it's huge. I mean, Nimi's playing at such a high level. I just looked at – I mean, I didn't realize he had 10 points, 10 rebounds, four assists, five blocks. I mean, that's just incredible. Um, I thought he had a really good look to him. You know, we didn't find him enough early. We were – it's one thing we talked about. It. Well, there's plenty of things we addressed at halftime, but one of them was, you know, why are we only throwing Takeda in the block when we call a play? Like, why can't we just do that out of the flow of our offense? And we did a way better job of that in the second half. Uh, but to be able to finish that game out um, when he gets his fifth ball was huge. On the flip side of that, you know, we've played a lot of games without Nimi last year. So specifically, Fonz and Bean together on the floor. I mean, we did that all of November, most of December, and part of January last year. So we know how to do that. And um, I think that experience together um, helped us. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, this is a team that had to do that for a pretty good stretch a year ago. Um, and uh, granted, the, the dynamic of this year's team is a little bit different. But I, I thought the key there was how well Alfonso Anderson and Justin Bean did in the post without Keta there and Coach Smith deciding to go a little bit smaller, but letting those guys play a little more physical uh, and to to get, get after it in the paint as well. And key free throws that were made by Alfonso Anderson. It's a great job by Utah State on multiple different fronts to hold on to their lead after being down 10 early to start the second half and clawing their way back into it and then eventually capturing the lead and then not relinquishing it, even though it could have been easy to uh, start to get concerned and, and worried after Keta got his fifth foul and ended up out of the game. But it speaks to the, to the overall team that this Utah State team is. Uh, this is a squad that, you know, Keta is a dynamic player, the best player on the court, um, certainly should be in the running in consideration for. Uh, Mountain West Player of the Year. That's probably going to go to Derek Alston Jr. from Boise State, but Keta should be in the in the discussion. Um, and when he goes out, just the, the coaching job and just how everybody else still elevated their game and continue to play solid defense, not panicking, speaks volumes to that that team. And you know, this is I thought it was interesting to hear Coach Smith uh, after the game talk about uh, the adjustments made at halftime and how. He was not happy at halftime and how they were able to address some of those things and uh, that they were missing on and uh, not being as deliberate uh, offensively. The flow just wasn't, wasn't really there. It wasn't quite uh, connecting like it should. And uh, after the half, they came out much better. Um, if the, the, the flow of the offense, moving the ball around, it didn't seem to stick on certain uh, uh, pl- uh, parts of the floor when they were trying to get things moving around. Uh, so really interesting to see the adjustments at halftime and hear Coach Smith uh, kind of commenting and uh, um, praising his team after how they handled what he laid into them at, at half. Daniel State is, is very good, and they're just so tough and physical. And um, we had nothing going right, you know, the last seven, eight minutes of that first half. I mean, nothing went right, nothing. And that's a credit to them, but – we were just so disjointed. I'm not sure I helped our guys enough. I didn't think our effort was what it takes to beat a team like that consistently. And I'm just proud of how we responded at, at, you know, at halftime. Because to be able to come out of the gates and do what we did and then to hold on, um, 
I'm just really proud of our guys because we got a lot of guys that haven't been, you know, we got some young guys and some inexperienced that haven't been down that road. And, and to see our guys not just staying together, everybody staying together. The bench was way more active in the second half. And now I'm not sure they had a lot to be excited about in the first half, but the point is everybody impacts winning. And I think we saw that the last 20 minutes of the game where everybody put their best foot forward and somehow found a way to win. And, and secondly, I do, like I said, with the fans, that made an impact. I mean, that helped. It felt like, like one of our young, one of our freshmen said, wow, coach, that was amazing. And, and it was amazing. But I said, imagine when there's 12,000 people in the spectrum. Uh, there's not much place better than that. Of course, uh, I don't think the fire marshal would be too happy if there were 12,000 people in the spectrum. But you get the idea. The only seat's 10,000. But um, still, a uh, great win by Utah State. And the way that team responded, came together, much more engaged. And he talks about the bench. You know, In the uh, game one, Utah State's bench clearly dominated San Diego State. So it was a big key to the victory for the Aggies. Saturday, it was flipped. It was that San Diego San Diego State bench, which came out a lot more deliberate and caused a lot more issues for Utah State, especially Butler, and then Gomez got going as well. Uh, and then uh, Utah State's bench kind of had to play some catch-up. But in the second half, especially, uh, the bench for Utah State really started to shine. Alfonso Anderson, Stephen Ashworth made some great plays and to really big key uh, uh free throws and uh, staying in there on, on defense and making some really critical moments uh, defensively for Utah State to give them a, that uh, that lead and then hold on to it as well. Uh, 9310 texts in, Justin Bean had a rough two games against San Diego State. Um, now, you look at his scoring and his rebounding and maybe you'd say it's down and he had a rough couple of games, but you have to consider what he did defensively. He drew the defensive assignment against Mitchell in on Thursday and really held him in check. I thought Justin Bean did a great job defensively against Mitchell, and I thought he played a really good job on Saturday as well. Um, you know, he ended up with six boards. Um, he only had four points, uh, but he he had a steal. He was active. He was making things happen for USU. I'm not I'm not overly concerned about Justin Bean. Was it a double double performance like we've Seen so many times out of him, no, it it, it wasn't. But I don't think that it's that uh, people should be overly concerned about Justin Bean and where he is and how he fits in with uh, with what Utah State's trying to do uh, right now. Um, so I'm I'm not overly concerned about him. I, I think it, this uh, upcoming series will be a little bit different and how his role plays into things. But uh, yes, it, his point totals were were down. Uh, rebound totals a little bit down as well, but he was still very active, especially defensively. Um, but you know, if Thursday, if I were to tell you that Bean only had four points and Marco Anthony only had one bucket, and that came with 4:45 to go in the game, uh, we all would have thought that Utah State probably lost the game in double digits. But uh, they won that game in double digits, and it was another good game on, on Saturday. Marco Anthony didn't have the best scoring game for USU either, um, but um, you know. He, uh, he finishes with um, six points, but he had uh, seven boards himself. So you know, these guys were doing things that, that were important to the overall fabric of the team coming together and moving forward and had good defensive assignments that were 
created winning plays for Utah State. Uh, 8968 texts in, Hey guys, remember the Spectrum was built in the late 60s when Liddell Anderson was a coach. His success in the 60s built the Spectrum. Uh, that's a good point. He did have a lot of success uh, and uh, helped build that that stadium. And Liddell Anderson, a very well-respected sports figure uh, in the state of Utah for what he did at Utah State. And then he certainly did things down in, in Provo as well. But um, I think certainly on putting things on a national stage, uh, that's uh, belongs by and large to, to Stu Morrill for developing Utah State into the national brand that it is today. Um, 5763 texts in, Nimi has come a long way in terms of staying out of foul trouble, but he needs to be careful in big moments. Great win. Uh, true, that's true. He, he has done a better job of keeping himself on the floor, and that means a lot for Utah State. Dorius is improving, but he's still got a ways to go. But um, you know, Utah State's chances for winning are certainly a lot higher when he can stay on the court and not be in foul trouble. But, uh, right, there are some moments where maybe he gets a little too aggressive, chasing people out, uh, uh, chasing a ball down or chasing a defender out, that uh, just stay home with your traditional defensive assignment and you'll be fine. Um, but uh, he has improved. But, yes, he still has a little bit to go um, before he's can stay out there the entire game and not worry about getting in foul trouble. Uh, 9315 texts in, Bean did have a very important layup in this last game. Uh, true. Yes, he did. He was streaking to the basket, recognized that the entire San Diego State defense was focused on Raleigh Worcester. And he came down on the backside behind all of them, streaking to the basket uh, to uh, to get it in there. And so... Uh, Bean did some really good heads-up things for Utah State. Uh, not all of them showed up in in a box score. So uh, continue to love the job that he does. Very scrappy, very active. Um, you know, there was a time uh, in the um, – this happened in the first game, and I don't know how much of it may have affected his play on Saturday, but uh, there was a play where Raleigh Worcester's charging to the basket, and then he passes the ball off to Bean – but the uh, Mensa was was uh, in the restricted area. They ended up calling it a charge on um, on uh, on Worcester. It should have been a blocking foul on Mensa based on where he was standing. But nonetheless, uh, but Mensa gets hit by Worcester. He's falling down and his head hits Bean in the knee as Bean's jumping up to make the the make the basket. Um, I don't think that it. He wasn't necessarily limping around a whole lot, but you know, somebody's head running right into your knee cannot feel good. Uh, don't know if that may have played a bit of a factor in his lift or his ability to to, to challenge shots or anything like that, but um, I, I thought that Bean was still active and still played an important role for USU. Uh, another guy that played a really big role for the Aggies, well, two guys, particularly off the bench. We talked about how that bench really came alive in the second half. Uh, one of those was uh, Ashworth. And just love his gritty play. He's a guy that you love to have on your team, but you probably hate if he's on the opposing team. Chasing his defenders, putting his nose in there. He got knocked to the floor or knocked around multiple times as they're trying to screen him away because they knew how aggressive he was and quick to being to his spot, trying to create some space for their for their players. But he wasn't giving it to him. He kept fighting through and kept making big plays for him defensively and then offensively. Just hit some 
cold-blooded threes uh, and kept uh, putting the pressure on offensively uh, when the Aggies needed a, a lift with some scoring. Craig Smith giving some high praise to his freshman, Stephen Ashworth. Been playing really, really well, and he's figuring it out. Um, the biggest adjustment for these guys isn't always so much on the offensive end, although it's obviously way faster, the speed of the game, the size of the guys, um, the higher levels you go. But it's a huge adjustment for these guys defensively, for new guys. And Steven is just um, – he's a sponge with basketball. He craves – he has an attitude that craves improvement. He wants to learn. He's always, how can I get better? How can I get better? You know, a lot of guys, they just want to be told what they do well. He wants to know what he's doing well, but how he can get better to help the team. And he's just a, he's a junkie that way. I've said this about Raleigh and him. Those guys don't care about stats. They don't care about, they just want to play. And um, uh, he really impacted the game with his pace. You know, he's, him and Gomez, you know, he, we, he guarded Gomez. He did a really good job on Gomez the other night. We knew they were going to have to go to Gomez more with Mitchell not playing. And he heard us some early, but they're running them off double staggers, triple staggers. They're almost treating them like Ray Allen, you know, back in the day. And, um, or Rip Hamilton. And um, Steve, it was just hard for him to get separation. Steven did a great job. Uh, and he might have even got his first block shot of his career. <laughs> he did have a block. Uh, which is kind of funny to look at this. The uh, you look back at the game. Nimi had five blocks on the night, or I guess on the day. Since it's the middle of the day, but uh, the other two guys with blocks, Ashworth and Worcester. So your your point guards picked up a couple of blocks. That's pretty. That's always awesome when your guards are able to have that kind of an effect on on a game defensively. But uh, Ashworth was fantastic, perfect from the free throw line. He shot more free throws than anybody on the day. Uh, he ended up with 17 points, a couple of boards. Uh, he ha- had an assist. He had the block. Very impactful for Utah State. And I think, you know, I don't know what Coach Smith's going to do and how he might affect his lineup going forward or not. But, uh, man, I think it makes sense to have Ashworth continue to come off the bench because there's that scoring option. There's that aggressiveness that's there. There's not a significant letdown, at least not at that position when you have those substitutions. So it's a huge role that he continues to play. Uh, had a few people comment uh, afterwards and over the weekend saying that he reminds people a lot of, of Jared Quayle, of how Jared Quayle used to play for Utah State, the Box Elder um, County uh, player from uh, Bear River High School, and how, what kind of an impact he had for Utah State, the type of play that he had uh, for the Aggies. So uh, that's a good comparison. If he's able to have a career like Jared Quayle, Stephen Ashworth will have a very nice career for Utah State. But uh, as a freshman, already having a great impact on this team. And then the other guy off the bench that played a really significant role was Alfonso Anderson. Um, They played small, put him at the five. We've talked about how important it is to have his versatility out on the court, how he can defend both in the post and out on the perimeter and that proved to be a really big factor for USU. And uh, going a little bit small after Keta got fouled out and uh, not throwing Dorius in there, going with the guys that to have the experience and the, that have the understanding of the system and aren't afraid to uh, get in there and mix things up. It's the first game we did. I mean, I think we did maybe one other game for a little bit. You know, maybe New Mexico for a little bit, uh, one of those games. But 
You're right, uh, Al. You know, and that's a credit. You know, Trevendor is, and quite frankly, and Shimon hasn't been playing much as of late. But those two guys are good players, and they give a the, the the improvements that Trevin has made has been just incredible, and he does some great things out on the floor. Um, but Fonz, you know, had had a had a very good year for us last year, and um, and he just had a, a good look. You know, he played very well. I thought he played well last weekend in New Mexico, and and he's been practicing well, and he had a great look to him. He played very good again the other night. And even the other night, you know, I thought our bench was very good. It's just, you know, some of those other guys are playing at a really high level too. And that's, it's just, you know, you play the, but tonight he, again, he had a great look to him, very confident, knew exactly what was going on. He's had two really good weeks of practice and it shows on the floor. So uh, we rode the hot hand, so to speak. It felt like we needed him um, specifically just to help with ball handling. You know, now you got five guys on the floor that can, pass and catch, make shots, make good decisions. And, um, and, uh, and Fonz knows exactly what to do on the defensive end for us. So you, lo- you lose some things with maybe a little bit with rim protection, but uh, just felt like tonight we needed to have that. I thought Alfonso does a fantastic job through this entire series, just through his activity. Um, very calm and collected when it came to approaching the free throw line. He was five of six for Utah State. Didn't have much success beyond the arc on uh, Saturday like he did on Thursday, but uh, still able to put up some points, key points, grab some boards, uh, and even had an assist on the day. But nine points, seven rebounds, five for six from the free throw line. And uh, two of those uh, boards were were offensive and uh, gave the Aggies some second chance opportunities. So uh, great to see that come along. He had kind of a slower start to the season, uh, we, we talked multiple times how this team needs him. He can be a real X factor coming off the bench. And, boy, it's great when he is on. It does make a really big difference. So good to see Alfonso Anderson coming alive in this uh, these last couple of games. And really that started before this series. He was starting to come along a little bit more in the New Mexico series. So that's, uh, that's awesome. That's going to be necessary, especially coming up against a Colorado State team that has versatility. That's going to need him to be able to guard on the perimeter as well as in the post. And uh, he is that, a real X factor in the way he can play uh, multiple positions. Um, but last thing, uh, you know, speaking of free throw lines uh, or free throw attempts, this was a team that uh, was very calm and was able to make important free throws down the stretch. And uh, 25 free throw attempts on the game were bef- the week, or excuse me, the game on Thursday, they only had two. They made 19. And a lot of those key free throws coming late in the game, Marco uh, had one that touched about every part of the rim and the glass, but Alfonso was uh, was really solid. So was uh, Stephen Ashworth in getting those free points at the line. Yeah, Alex, that's a good question. You know, the last game, that was just one of those games. I mean, there was only 11 free throws shot. You know, going into the first game, we shoot 20 free throws a night. So in our style of play, I mean, over the last seven years now, we've been one of the top teams in the country at getting fouled, whether it was at South Dakota or here. So, but we were part of it is we actually didn't turn the ball over. That that was a big part. Um, secondly, we just played together. We played connected. I mean, anybody that watched the game, it was like, is this really the same team that played in the first half? You know, we were where we were just so disjointed and just, I mean, couldn't complete a pass, couldn't make a post feed, couldn't even execute a dribble handoff. 
appropriately. And so that second half, we just played with vigor. We played with great pace. We tried to say pace and sp uh, pace and space. Play with good pace and space the floor. I thought we did a way better job with that. Thought we had an inside game, a middle game, and an outside game, and we were just aggressive downhill. Um, you know, and 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 so we did that as a team. I thought our bench did a really good job. You know, Ashworth and and Funds, those two guys really gave us a great uh, burst, so to speak, and made some big time plays for us. And so, in that stretch where it was just kind of hanging in the balance, um, we came up with some big offensive rebounds. You know, Fonz specifically had at least two. Uh, I'm looking at the stats right now. Yeah, he had two. And I remember both of them vividly. And uh, and I believe we were able to finish those. So, uh, and then and then we made those free throws, obviously. So, that was a big key to taking care, you know, taking care of business. And yeah, you talk about offensive boards. You know, Alfonso had some great ones there in the second half. But you know, overall, we were talking earlier about Justin Bean. He had more offensive rebounds than defensive rebounds. The guy had four offensive boards, uh, so he played a really big role in helping Utah State get second chance opportunities. Six boards overall, but four of those were of the offensive variety. So, a great, great team effort by Utah State against uh, San Diego State. Now they have to turn around to face Colorado State. We'll break those matchups down tomorrow. So now that the, the sweep is done, the Aggies beat the Aztecs two in a row, what are they saying about Utah State? Are they getting votes? Are they moving up in national perspective and attention and respect? Yes and no. We'll talk about that coming up next here on the Full Court Press. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric Franson with you here on a Monday. Love to hear from you as well as we've been breaking down the Utah State sweep of the Aztecs. 435-339-0321 if you want to weigh in. What stood out to you the most in that series sweep? Um, you know, whether it's a particular player or a play, coaching decision, and uh, how you feel Utah State's chances are to finish this thing out as a, as a top team in the Mountain West. Certainly they got two other really good teams to get past. And uh, Nevada's not a bad team either. So they've, they've still got a lot of basketball in front of them. But now that they got those two wins against a widely, very well-regarded team in San Diego State, Certainly, there should be some respect coming Utah State's way after such a such a win, couple of wins. Well, the uh, there was a little bit of respect, but not much. Utah State got one vote in the AP poll. One after they swept San Diego State. Meanwhile, in the coaches' poll, ask me how this makes sense. San Diego State, in the coaches' poll, receives three votes. Utah State receives none. What were the coaches watching? 
how does this make sense? The Aggies do not receive a single vote in the coaches' poll. After sweeping San Diego State, USU has a better record, a better conference record, a better net ranking, and yet San Diego State gets three votes? Well, they had a better net ranking on Sunday. By the time Monday rolled around, it moved again. Currently, Utah State has, uh, they've been moving up, but currently they're 45th. Uh, They were a little bit ahead of San Diego State on Sunday. San Diego State is now 43rd. Boise State is 16th. They keep hovering right around there. They're really not dropping or moving up. They keep, keep hanging around that same level. A lot of respect for Boise State and what they've been able to do so far. Um, Colorado State is at 53. Um, so that there's four teams from the Mountain West in the top 100. Uh, it's 53 or more, or 53 or higher uh, in the net rankings. Uh, Aggies preparing for the Rams tomorrow. So, yeah, the, the, the polls didn't necessarily ref- reflect much respect for the Aggies, which is a shame. But... There were other publications who are showing respect for USU and what they've been able to do. And uh, we'll we'll get into this variety of different places. They have different publications, have their Bracketology, Andy Katz, uh, The Athletic, uh, ESPN Plus had something that they put together. We'll get to those in just a moment. Uh, 9315 says, uh, texts in, I think the coach's poll makes no sense. But it helps USA helps USU play better with the chip on their shoulder from this. Well, I agree. Uh, man, if you're the Aggies, they should feel totally disrespected that they still have something to prove. And it's good to try to prove it against a team like Colorado State. Now, if the Aggies beat Colorado State, um, it will only be considered a quad two. Victory, And I think that is one of the bigger knocks maybe against USU here still. They do not have a quad one win. They do not have a team. They've not defeated a team in the top 30 at home. A team between 1 and 50 in a neutral site. Or a team between 1 and 75 on the road. Now, that could definitely change as the season goes on. Um, with the trips to Boise State, uh, Nevada coming into town. Uh, So there's still some opportunities here for Utah State to try to get some some better quad one victories. But they're kind of slim. There aren't very many left on the schedule. Um, And that's maybe one thing that's slightly holding Utah State back a little bit in some of these uh, people's minds. Uh, you know, if San Diego State goes on a tear and starts improving things and, and, and better, that's going to reflect better on Utah State and what they're able to do against Aztec. So, as difficult as that may be, Aggie fans should be cheering for the Aztecs from here on out. Uh, but there are others who are giving some respect to the Aggies now. Now, Joe Lunardi has not yet. In his bracketology on ESPN, San Diego State is still an 8 seed. Boise State is an 11 seed, which makes zero sense to me. Boise State is a 16 in the net ranking. They only have one loss early in the year. The Aztecs have lost a couple in a row here. I don't understand 
his thinking on this at all. Now, CBS, on the other hand, they have four Mountain West Conference teams in the tournament. They have USU and San Diego State among the first four that would play before the big tournament gets underway. They consider the last four in as 11 seeds. Boise as a nine seed and Colorado State as an 11 seed. But it's a great start to the season so far for the Mountain West. Uh, it's been a long time since so many teams have played so well and had such high uh, rankings or considerations in the net rankings. Uh, Andy Katz, he puts together his power rankings every week. He's got Boise State as a 15. That makes sense. And Utah State has appeared now in his rankings at 34. And this is what he had to say about USU. It's time to give the Aggies their due after a sweep of San Diego State. Later on in his best of the week, the most impressive sweep, he gave it to Utah State in their sweep over the Aztecs. Says the Aggies won the first game by 12, the second by 5. Aggies are 8-0, tied with Boise State atop the Mountain West. Um, Jeff Barzello on ESPN Plus giving his Coach of the Week recognition to Craig Smith. Talked a little bit about his history and all the good things he's done in Logan since he's arrived. Um, considering they uh, didn't get, they were a distant third in the preseason rankings in the, the preseason Mountain West polls that came out. But he says, but after last week's two-game sweep of San Diego State, Smith has Utah State 8-0 in the league and tied atop the Mountain West standings with Boise State. They won on Thursday by 12 over the Aztecs, then pulled out a close win on Saturday. And this is what I think is the, the biggest key here. The Aggies struggled to open the season, losing two of the three games at the Bad Boy Mowers Crossover Classic in South Dakota, then dropped a, home, a game at home to BYU. But the Aggies have rattled off 10 wins in a row and are poised to compete for another NCAA tournament appearance. Uh, he also said it's going to come down to the wire. Utah State has to play at Boise twice. Boise has to play San Diego State on the road twice. So it is going to come down to the wire. And then on the athletic, they put together kind of a, a mid-major compilation of different things, uh, saying you know the Mountain West is having a resurgent season. With its sweep of San Diego State, Utah State announced itself as serious contenders for the league title. Boise State is not lost since its opener at Houston. Colorado State is 9-2, as Nico Medved has that program on the rise. Four Mountain West teams are ranked in the top 52 of the net on Sunday. This is a league that might have, might have had just one NCAA tournament bid in four of the past five seasons. If not for upsets in the conference tournament, it's good to see more depth emerge at the top. Uh, in one of its games of the week in the mid-majors, they have the game on Tuesday night. It'll be on CBS Sports Network, Utah State, hosting Colorado State, 7 o'clock tip-off in Logan. Uh, it says the first of an important doubleheader in the Mountain West, Utah State caught a break by getting San Diego State and Colorado State both at home, though they still have to go to Boise State. David Roddy's a breakout star for the Rams. Uh, then he goes through and ranks the top mid-majors. Aggies coming in at number four in this ranking. Um, how they held San Diego State in a season low of point total, 45 points in 64 possessions in game one, 59 points in 68 possessions in game two. Craig Smith's team has a top 10 defense anchored by an impenetrable force in the middle, seven-footer Namiya Keta. 
And then at the the close, while we still need to see the Aggies beat a good team away from home, they made a large statement with their weekend performances. By the way, BYU is number seven and San Diego State at number 10. Uh, I tossed my sheet, but I'm pretty sure uh, San Diego, or Boise State was like the top uh, or the number one or the number two team in his uh, mid-major top 10. So there is some recognition coming Utah State's way for what they've been able to do uh, so far and you know, giving some recognition for how they were able to take care of San Diego State but maybe not quite as much just considering that happened in Logan as opposed to on the road. So uh, when will Utah State start to get that recognition that they need, the, the, the more votes, the opportunity that should be coming their way? Frankly, it might not come until their trip to Boise. Because even if they beat Colorado State at home, they'll be considered home games, home wins. They don't carry as much cachet as if they were able to do that on the road. Then their next four games that they'll play will be on the road, but against subpar competition in the Mountain West. They'll still prove to be tough teams to get through, but they're not at the top. Trips to UNLV and Fresno before they return home to face Wyoming. And then they finish off against some tougher teams at Boise State on February 17th and 19th and then returning home to take on Nevada to finish out the month and finish out conference play. So Utah State still has work to do. They're not getting respected by some of these polls. So it should give them motivation. Should be a giant chip on their shoulder as they get ready for the Rams who are coming into Logan, uh, who will arrive here tonight and face the Aggies tomorrow night in a two-game series. Um, it's a great position to be in, though, for USU. And doing a nice job defensively stifling their opponents and getting a lot of contributions from a lot of different guys for Utah State. I think it'll be a very different dynamic tomorrow and who they'll have to face and prepare for. And We'll get into more details on that, but uh, it is a different animal. But that defense can carry and still translate into successful winning plays if they can keep that up against the Rams tomorrow night. All right, let's find out the other things going on in the Mountain West. When we come back, we'll shift gears. We'll talk about other rankings, but this time in high school. The RPI for Utah High School Activities Association has been released today. How are teams in Region 11 faring after they started region play last weekend? And what's on the docket for this week in region play? We'll talk about that and the Utah Jazz and where they're at in some power rankings in the NBA as well. Coming up next here on the Full Court Press. This is your Mountain West basketball update with Nate Crickman. Utah State makes their biggest statement yet. The Aggies sweep San Diego State in Logan. Anderson over to Ashworth. Running the alley-oop. Kata with a two-handed dunk. What a setup. What a dunk. Ashworth to Kata who throws it down for two. Scott Gerard for Learfield IMG College. 64-59 the final Saturday as Utah State extends their win streak to 10 in a row. Namiya Kata, 10 points, 10 boards, 5 blocks against the Aztecs. The Aggies 8-0 in conference. Your other Saturday finals, Colorado State cruises to an 88-61 win over San Jose State to complete the sweep. David Outlet got it to Stevens, racing forward court, back to Roddy, down the lane! The dunk! 
A freight train coming down the paint, and Roddy finishes in style. Brian Roth for Learfield IMG College. Four Rams and double figures. They're seven and one in conference. Air Force holds off Wyoming at Clune Arena on a hot shooting night for senior Chris Joyce. Was up top to Van Solen. Now to Joyce. Three for the lead. Got it. Chris Joyce hits the three, and the Falcons lead it. 67 to 65 with 143 to go in the game. Jim Arthur on KBOR 72-69, the final there. Joyce 8 of 10 from the field for a game high, 21 points. Also, UNLV downs New Mexico 77-54 for their first Mountain West win. Sunday, Grand Sherfield goes off, and Nevada finishes off the sweep against Fresno State in Reno. Deep three straight on Sherfield. Short rebound Henry Nevada. Shot clock resets to 20. Sherfield cutting to the basket. He's up. Oh! Count it. John Ramey with the call for Learfield IMG College. Sherfield goes for 27. And the Wolfpack win at 79-65. Now 10-5 on the year. With your Mountain West basketball update, I'm Nate Kreckman. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. If you want to weigh in, I'd love to hear from you. Had some great participation today. Always love it when the fans react. 435-339-0321. Or message us directly through the 106.9 The Fan mobile app. Uh, one last thing about San Diego State, Utah State, kind of where things are in the Mountain West. You know, the Aztecs, uh, they need to, Utah State fans should be cheering for them to do well from here on out if they can. Uh, that helps Utah State in the eyes of, you know, these uh, pollsters and those who decide who goes to the NCAA tournament and who doesn't. Uh, but the Aztecs are going to have to do it without Mitchell for um, a little bit. He may be out as lo- as many as two weeks. So it's a that's a tough draw for San Diego State. Their upcoming schedule, however, they may be able to do it without Mitchell. They travel the Air Force this week. Uh, then they are home against Wyoming next week followed by New Mexico and San Jose State. So definitely a softer side of the schedule coming up for the Aztecs. But they have to finish on the road at Fresno and then uh, Boise State in their place to close out the season. So they've had uh, kind of a rough stretch here. They split against Colorado State, close games against Nevada, lost two to the Aggies. But now they get the softer part of conference play. Wyoming, they're one and four in conference. New Mexico's 0 and seven. San Jose 0 and eight. Air Force is two and five. That's uh that's what it looks like for them coming up. Uh switching gears a little bit to the high school level. Uh the RPI rankings for the high school Utah High School Activities Association released today. And some interesting movement there. And I first want to start out with the girls uh, in Region 11. Ridgeline has moved up to claim the number one spot. They're 8-4, and four, but uh, Pineview is 10-1. and one. So certainly better recognition for who Ridgeline has faced and who they've beaten as opposed to Pineview. Pineview has a better record, but the Riverhawks have played better competition. 
So Ridgeline has moved has moved up to claim the number one spot in girls basketball RPI. Skyview, Green Canyon, and Logan are at four, five, and six respectively. Bear River comes in at number ten. So there's five teams in the top ten. That's important. You want to stay in the top ten because of uh, home court advantage and uh, first round bye. It's better to be in the in the top ten in these uh, RPI rankings when the season comes to a close. Uh, and Mountain Crest comes in at number 13 for girls basketball. For the boys, uh, there's some movement there as well. Logan last week was the top team in Region 11, but Skyview has moved back ahead of the Grizzlies. They were on top of region uh, ranked region teams earlier in the season, uh, but uh, now they're back on top. They're at number five, followed by a lot of teams out of uh, Region 9 down in Southern Utah, but Skyview is number 5, Logan's number 6, Green Canyon number 9, and Ridgeline number 10. So four teams in the top 10. With Bear River at 14, the the Bears slipped, and then Mountain Crest is at 19. Um, So pretty wide disparity there for the boys. Uh, A lot closer and more compact for the girls. It speaks to the great competition going on here in Northern Utah for Region 11. Uh, interesting schedule uh, this week with games beginning again, picking up again on Wednesday and Friday for the boys, Tuesday and Thursday for the girls in region play. And uh, we'll as we get uh, further down the week, we'll talk about you know, who's playing where and what's on the line for some of these games. Um, but uh, suffice it to say, some good basketball going on. I was surprised, though, on Friday, as I mentioned earlier, uh, every game in Region 11 for the boys was a blowout. Uh, every game by double digits, healthy double digits. Uh, I'll be honest, I thought that the uh, Skyview-Bear River game would be closer. And I also thought the Green Canyon-Ridgeline game would be closer. Um, so, kind of surprised to see how that uh, how things got opened up and started in Region uh, 11 play uh, last Friday. Uh, for the boys. Uh, another quick timeout here in the Full Court Press. We'll give you an update on what's going on in the NBA today and where the Jazz. It's some nice recognition for Utah after a five-game win streak of their own and really taking care of some good teams on the road. We'll talk about the Utah Jazz and their position in the NBA. Coming up next here on the Full Court Press. Getting engaged? For more than a century, SC Needham Jewelers has been selling diamond engagement rings. For five generations, we've been selling natural diamonds. Now making history, we're excited to introduce lab-grown diamonds to our selection. These are beautifully cut diamonds and are man-made. They do save you money. Come examine these new diamonds, then select the perfect ring. You'll get SC Needham quality at internet pricing. Open 10 to 7, where Utah gets engaged. SC Needham Jewelers, middle of the block, at the sign of the clock. The back- Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. <clears throat> Full Court Press, last couple of minutes with you here before we hand it off to Fox Sports Radio. Uh, Utah Jazz with a nice win on the road at Denver last night. And uh, fun to see the Jazz how that that series has a, a saucy flavor to it. Uh, it's a good rivalry between those two teams after what happened in the bubble and certainly what happened uh, during the last uh, year in their matchups. They're always kind of fun. 
but now the Jazz have won five in a row. They're nine and four overall. They're moving up in some of these people's power rankings they put together. ESPN has the Jazz at number seven. The Athletic has the Jazz at number five. CBS Sports has the Jazz as high as number three. Uh, certainly a big part of that. Jordan Clarkson has been playing lights out. Boyan Bogdanovich is starting to get his shot to fall. Uh, he's finding his offensive rhythm. I think Mike Connolly has been fantastic so far this year. Rudy Gobert has been remarkably consistent for the Jazz. Uh, and even during this five-game winning streak, Donovan Mitchell, he's upped his game, scoring 26.2 points, five assists per game. Turnovers are down. Shooting field goal percentage has been up. So this Jazz team, speaking of from distance, um, one of the top three-point shooting teams in the NBA in attempts and makes per game. Pretty nuts. In fact, uh, you know, looking at the standings, Jazz are right there, the number two team in the standings in the Western Conference. Uh, half a game uh, ahead of of the, I guess the Clippers, they, they played today in one, so they're a half a game ahead of Utah with only four losses. Jazz only have four losses. Nine wins for the Jazz compared to ten for the Clippers. Lakers are 11-3. and three. They're on top of the West. Uh, but one of the top teams in the NBA right now, I understand it is a very young season. But still, this Jazz team looking like they're starting to come together. A couple of games have gone final today in the NBA. Knicks beat the Magic. Hawks beat the Timberwolves. Uh, Spurs over the Blazers by a wide margin. And Grizzlies, in, uh, in what I've been reading, is a pretty gritty and, and gutsy win over the Suns, especially some great plays by Grayson Allen late. A couple other games on tap tonight. Pistons are at the Heat. Uh, the Rockets are at the Bulls. Warriors are at the Lakers. That'll be on TNT this evening. Cavaliers and Wizards game has been postponed. Still some positive cases going on in Washington's uh, clubhouse and in their locker room. A lot of games postponed uh, and will have to be made up for that team that will be a scheduling fun house when it comes to the break between the first part of the, the schedule and the second part. A uh, couple games going on right now. Bucks are at the Nets and the Mavericks at the Raptors. So some good games on tap today in the NBA, playing a lot of earlier games as part of uh, the NBA's uh, attention and focus to for uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and for his life and his legacy and some great messages that come along with that. So... I hope you're enjoying the holiday. Please take some time to uh, remember his words and his legacy, what he stood for. Let's all hope that we can uh, be our best to exemplify things that he was championing for equal rights for all people.